Hi, welcome to Politics Done Right. Politics Done Right is a podcast for young conservatives by young conservatives. I'm your host, Tucker Dunn. I'm here with executive producer Patty Olson. Hello. To bring you the episode you've been waiting for, the COVID response. So I want to talk about a few things today. Uh, the mask mandate is a big mm-hmm. item in the news, mm-hmm. big subject of debate. Uh, reopening schools, obviously a major issue, especially for a younger generation. Yep. yep. Uh, the talk of lockdowns again in some states, mm-hmm. especially the leftist states like California, yeah. they're talking about having lockdowns again. And California never really stopped, and they're still having the worst yeah. case spike yeah. in the country. But California never really stopped, but they're talking about a full-on lockdown mm-hmm. again. And then uh, I also want to talk about the economy and the economic effects of this. Mm-hmm. And personally, I think they're going to be bigger than the medical effects. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say anything is bigger than, you know, 150,000 deaths. It's hard to compare anything to that. But, but when you, you might cause more deaths by, by, a, by a recession, by poverty. Or by food shortages. Right. We'll, we'll talk about that more we'll later. We'll get that later. Uh, so let's talk about the mask mandate. All right. So my view of the mask mandate is that uh, for COVID testing to be reliable, you know, if you have to stick a Q-tip seven inches up my nose to detect COVID with a good degree of reliability then how is my breath likely enough to contain COVID that you're justified in putting a muzzle on me? I mean, really. Like, if you have to stick a test way up there, and you still have like a, I don't know what the actual uh, statistics are of the false mm-hmm. positives and false negatives, mm-hmm. but from what I heard, have heard from friends who have been tested, it's like 20% of like false results I, I know they were in the beginning because they, they were they weren't they probably improved they've improved but at the beginning they were very terrible it, and they gave us very unreliable numbers yeah and so i would say i mean that immediately throws all the early numbers mm-hmm. into yeah. suspicion yeah but the even the current tests have margins of error oh yeah yeah and that is sticking a q-tip clear up your nose <laughs> mm-hmm. getting matter off of the inside of your uh, na- nasal cavity above your, your soft palate yeah, so Patty knows more about the medical aspect. Yeah, of it I, I, I know about the uh, the the anatomy of the mouth because I sing. So yeah, yeah. So uh, Patty knows about this, but you have to stick a Q-tip all the way up mm-hmm. in there to get a good and, sample that's reliable at all. And the thing is, most of the time, your soft palate is not like uh, to get to your nasal cavity. It's extremely difficult. You know, you can't like stick your finger up there, and so it's hard for you know the stuff to get you know around into your mouth. Right. When and you're when so you're not coughing. If if it was spreading so heavily through the air, or if it was so likely to spread from just me having a casual conversation, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about spitting in somebody's face. Yeah. I'm talking about you know staying a responsible distance mm-hmm. apart. Mm-hmm. If it was so likely to spread from that without a mask, that you're I mean if it's likely enough to spread through that, then why couldn't I just give a spit sample? I mean, I could intentionally spit onto something and they could not reliably detect COVID on it. Why, if I could actually intentionally spit on something and them not detect COVID on it, why in the world is it justified that you muzzle, like you put a mask on me, Mm -hmm. force me to wear a mask if I don't want to, and then somehow my breath is going to spread it Mm-hmm. when you can't even detect it in my yeah. mouth. I mean, really. And so you get into, you know, the area where the risk is so low that, you know, it be- the infringement of the rights becomes, you know, a huge issue. Right. And, you know, even if you're all for the mask mandate, which, you know, it's an understandable position. I don't think you're crazy if you support a yeah. mask mandate. 
Oh, my dog's barking. This is going to be terrible for the episode. Oh, no. But if it usually stops. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at some point, you have to acknowledge that if you value freedom at all, that at some point, the risk is so low that a mask mandate is evil. Mm-hmm. So just what level does that have to be? Because I was doing math the other day, and I'm not going to bring this in because I'm not a scientist. Yeah. I'm not an expert. But just the math I was doing... So the odds of an asymptomatic person, because that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Nobody's nobody's saying we should put symptomatic people oh, in yeah. public places. The odds of an asymptomatic person spreading the virus are already very low. Mm-hmm. I put it at 10%, which I think is a an extremely generous estimate. Um, I would put it at, so I'll put it at 10% for the sake of this. The rate of being hospitalized, like any long-term harm from mm-hmm. COVID is extremely small, less than 1%. Mm-hmm. Less than 1%, and you have a 10% chance of spreading it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's given that you're breathing on something. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you can't, I mean, nobody is spreading COVID, or nobody is getting COVID if you're wearing a mask and you're washing your hands and you're not touching your face. Yeah. You can't just get COVID from being in the same you know, giant built, like a school is a large building. You're not putting people in closets. Mm -hmm. I mean, and nobody, again, nobody is suggesting that. Nobody is suggesting just going back, sticking students two feet apart in little chairs. I mean, when we talk about reopening schools, we talk about doing it in a responsible manner. Um, You know, we'll talk about that more in a second, right? Or do you want to segue into Um, that now? We could just segue into that now. Um, But I think it, because it's kind of the same issue. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean... You know, I released a petition that, about ending mask mandates yeah. in public schools, and I actually don't think in my school it will be mandated. Okay. I don't. I figure you'll be a little different. You're in a bigger city. Yeah, and I'm in a I'm in a private school, a Catholic school, so it's uh, I'm. It works a, sh- a little differently. Yeah, legally different. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm if gonna go yeah, yeah. take care yeah. of my. He's dog. going to go take his. I'm sorry. Take care of his you dog. Go ahead. Talk about the the reopening. Okay. So. I personally think that, you know, it's imperative that we get kids back in school because having, you know, these children in a situation where they aren't able to socialize, aren't able to see their teachers, aren't able to ask questions in person, it's a hard uh, situation to learn in. And also, um, online learning disproportionately affects, you know, children who live in poverty, children who don't have the good, you know, family situations at home that they need to learn, children who have um, learning disabilities like dyslexia or, uh, you know, like other mental disabilities. And so, um, you know, having online learning is a terrible thing for them, and it, it disadvantages them far more than we should be willing to subject our children to. And Tucker's back. But I, when you reopen schools, you can do it in a very responsible way. You can do it in a way that you know, prevents people from spreading the virus very easily. If you have, you know, a lot of, if you mandate hand washing, you know, well, yeah, yeah, that's a, do you think that's a reasonable thing? I I think it's fair, at least if you're going to be touching other people and you're touching a lot of surfaces. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe mandate it in passing periods. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't, Um, you don't have to disrupt the schedule of school. I mean, most passing periods are long enough. Like, mine is four minutes. I don't yeah. know about yours. M- mine is five, yeah. Way more than enough time to get everybody a chance to wash the Well, hands. I mean, like, mandating your hands, like, just whenever you're in the bathroom. I, I, think, that's, I think that's a reasonable thing. At least thing to, that. Yeah, at least be, that, yeah. That could be mandated anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, no, but no, like, and then you can also have, you know, special accommodations for teachers who don't feel comfortable, like teachers who are older. I have a few older teachers at my school. 
uh, some in their 70s. And if they don't feel comfortable coming back to school, we can make accommodations for that. And you know, anything to get these kids back into, you know, these situations where they can properly learn, be set up for their future, and, you know, be set up socially for their future, too. Um, and also another thing, food insecurity. A lot of these kids don't get meals at home as much as they need to, and so school is one of the only opportunities where they can actually eat food. And by denying these kids the opportunity to go back to school, you are you know, denying them the opportunity to have food. And parents who work need to send their kids to school so that they don't have to pay for daycare, you know, because that is, you know. Right, and yeah. when, you, when you create an economic crisis that causes many, many people to mm -hmm. lose their jobs. Mm -hmm. Now that people are going back to work, they don't have a bunch of extra money exactly. that they can put into Daycare. having a babysitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, I mean, that's a costly thing that when you're talking yeah. about a, an eight to five job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of you money. Know, and you, Yeah, exactly. And personally, I don't know what your school would will do, but my school I found out is, I heard is making it optional. You can go online if you want. Really? Okay. Which I think is a good solution. It's, if you're yeah. afraid... We shouldn't make kids expose themselves to COVID. Yeah, and I, but yeah. if you're not afraid, which I don't think most kids are, and no. mo I don't think we are. I Patty has this statistic probably, or this um, article I, from the I, I WHO a, that he wants to cite, which well, I think is a really, really reasonable. Uh, if you could quote that, I'm trying to find. Okay, so um, this article says that uh, children rarely transmit COVID-19. Uh, this was from July 10th uh, from the University of Vermont. And, you know, the fact that kids very rarely transmit it means that you can have these kids packed into your school. And if you take the proper precautions, you probably won't see a spike in cases. And right. especially, also, you have to consider, when you have parents going back to work and you have kids um, doing online school at home, the house is going to be empty. There's nothing keeping these kids from going out during the middle of the day. You know that they're going to be, you know, hanging out with their friends anyway, which is going to accomplish, it, it, by keeping them home, you're accomplishing nothing if you want to k prevent it from spreading. Right, especially which, if you're going to take it as a given that they need to have a social development yeah, and yeah. have social lives, mm -hmm. they're going to need to be around their friends. Yes, you, and especially if you can make them socialize in a responsible way, uh, like under the control of a school. Right. I mean, they're not going to be you know, socializing responsibly when they're out with their friends by right, themselves. Right, right. A and lot so, of these kids are, I mean, when you're talking about high schools, yeah. a lot of these kids are drinking. Yeah. And, I mean, you're not going to be responsible. You're not going to be responsible. And so... By putting them in school, you give them a responsible environment to socialize where, right. you know, they'll take proper precautions because, you know, the schools will, you know, help them do that. And overall, it'll just be a lot better if we send them back to school. Sure. And I think another component of it is just the psychological oh, trauma gosh, of being yeah. locked in mm -hmm. your home. I mean, in some states, and I know it's not necessarily comparable, but solitary confinement has been ruled as cruel and unusual mm -hmm, punishment mm -hmm. in some places. Mm -hmm. And... I think that goes to show just isolation is not good for people. Mm -hmm. We are social yeah. animals. Yeah, we are. And so to say that we, at the very least, wouldn't have some semblance of school. Now, I don't know. Most states probably didn't have this un unreasonable of an order. Mm -hmm. But in Kansas, the original executive order was that schools aren't even allowed to have online classes. Yeah. I mean, you aren't even going to have that. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't understand the idea. We're going to spread COVID through mm -hmm. our computers. Yeah. Amazing. You know, we need to get these kids back in school because if they don't, we're going to have more food insecurity. We're going to have more teen pregnancy because, you know, kids are going to be under no supervision because their parents are going to be at work. We're going to have 
uh, more depression, uh, and we're going to see more substance abuse. Sure. We have to get them back. Yes. Those are all, I mean, giant effects. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about lockdowns. Okay. I mean, I think, I think similar things apply to lockdowns, but mm-hmm. then you also have the economic issue. Because oh, closing schools wouldn't, you know, crash the economy. No, no. It wouldn't positively affect it, yeah, but, but it, it, would, it, it would. wouldn't destroy the economy. Yeah. A lockdown destroys the destroys economy. The, the economy is gone. Yeah, and when you talk about the economy, you can't just talk about big corporations. You have to talk about individual workers right. who are living paycheck to paycheck, who, are, who need to be in a job or right. else they will starve. And, you know, you talk about, and I, I agree with this, that the Dow Jones and the NASDAQ aren't the best indicators no. of, of how the economy is doing. But I think... When the Dow Jones crashes, businesses have layoffs. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, I yeah. mean, we saw it in March with mm-hmm. Boeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember if Boeing was exactly due to COVID. I think it was. I think part of it was also. Or at least know. anticipation of a lockdown. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you see, uh, we had, what, over 10% unemployment? Yeah. Yeah. And you see these people going out of jobs and it's hurting them, and it's hurting their children, too. And so if you can at least send them to school, at least they can get a meal that way. Right. Um, and also, when you talk about lockdowns, you have to talk about the food shortages that we're going to have. Oh. Uh, I have an article pulled up from the New York Times saying... Sure, which is uh, a, by the way, leftist news organization. Yeah, yeah. Not um, even... I mean, this is definitely not serving our this political is not, interests. It is not. This is, but it's saying that um, the world has never faced a hunger emergency like this. It could double the number of people facing acute hunger to 265 million by the end of this year. In the United States? No, no, no. It, over, in, in the world. Globally. Globally. But okay. that, that'll be 132.5 million more that's, people. That's giant. That is giant. I mean, and so, because you lock down the economy. Right. You have to weigh... A lot of pros and cons mm-hmm. here. Every and this is with every policy. Mm-hmm. You have to weigh pros and cons. There is no policy without a trade-off. And to say that you're justified in locking down America mm-hmm. is to say that preventing the spread of COVID with a 0.26 percent death rate. We yeah. can talk I, about I, that. Yeah, they they recently updated, but it's around the same number. It's around the same number. Yeah. It goes to maybe half a percent. Yeah, highest. I think I think they were saying 0.4 to one percent. Um, so you know, if you say like 0.6 percent, yeah, yeah, pretty. That's what they were saying. Okay, but you're talking about to prevent the spread of oh, this yeah. virus, and I don't even think there would be a giant spike with reopening. We've already seen reopenings, and there hasn't been a giant spike. The giant spike we've seen, if you trace everything back two weeks, which is what you're supposed to do, Mm -hmm. takes about two weeks to see a spike. The biggest spike we've seen is due to the riots. Yeah. I mean, we've seen hundreds of thousands of people gathering in the streets. Mm -hmm. And if you're talking about schools are too dangerous because you have a bunch of kids packed in (laughs) to a small room, Try 100,000 people in a street yelling in each other's faces. Yeah, yeah. Just try that one for me. You have to have logical consistency when, you, when you're talking about things that you should allow in right. a lockdown. And so if you're talking about mask mandates and the like, again, I don't think you're a crazy person for talking about mask mandates. Mm-hmm. There's a public health interest. Yeah. I just think the greater public health interest is keeping people employed, mm-hmm. keeping food on people's tables. Mm-hmm. Those are more, like, I would rather have COVID than not have food. Yeah, yeah. I, because you will die if you don't have food. You will but die you will, you will, 100%, 100% of the time. 100% of the time if you don't have food. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is It is not a, a 0.26% chance of starving <laughs> to death. It is a 100. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. is 
not a 0.26% chance of poverty if you're unemployed. It's much, much larger. Much, much larger. Most people don't have the money saved up to lock, exactly. to just lock everybody down until we have a vaccine. Now, Tucker, what about the idea of just giving everybody $1,200 plus more, $2,400 if you're a family? Okay, the stimulus passed by Congress is, I mean, I think it's... It's fair when you're talking about the government has the, destroyed jobs. The government has destroyed it jobs. It is the government's fault, and they owe people money mm-hmm. because they took money from people. Yes. What we ought not to have done is locked down in the we first sh- place. Yeah, I, we, we should have avoided the cause. Right. You know. Personally, I think with all of the negative fe- effects of locking down an economy, I personally don't ever see a situation in which it's realistically justified mm-hmm. to lock down, to shut down the economy. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. hurting more people. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never heard of an event in history which would justify the locking oh, yeah. down of an economy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you just, you destroy millions and, I mean, tens of millions mm-hmm. of lives, mm-hmm. if not hundreds. Yeah. That's, that's about as bad of a consequence bad. as it c- yeah. could get. I mean, when you talk about uh, having these lockdowns and shutting down the economy, yeah, that justifies the stimulus. Yeah. Nothing justified locking down yeah. the economy. Mm-hmm. I, I was against this from the beginning, and mm-hmm. a lot more people have come around now to the idea that maybe lockdowns weren't the best idea yeah. because you see countries like Sweden, mm-hmm. who never had a hard lockdown, doing uh, better than we are, less deaths per capita. And even if they're not doing better, they're doing as good they're as They're doing us. as well as we are. I yeah. mean, you look at the states like Florida, who everybody criticized for not shutting down fast mm-hmm. enough and for opening up too soon, and then you look at a state like California, California's worse off than Florida. I don't have the stats in front of me, but it's at the very least comparable. Mm-hmm. Florida did not see total destruction of the yeah. state by staying open. They kept more jobs than California mm-hmm. did. And California is faring just as poorly. And they're faring just as poorly. You didn't have this giant benefit from shutting down. And uh, it's just, we wouldn't have had to pass a stimulus mm-hmm. and go $6 trillion more trillion into Gosh. debt. You know... They estimate, and this is before the stimulus, so mm-hmm. it's probably actually accelerated, but they estimate that by 2035 or 2040, depending on who you ask, the economists estimate that the largest item of spending, larger than national defense, larger than healthcare, larger than education, larger than welfare, larger than social security, larger than any of these programs that are important to most Americans, mm-hmm. will be interest on the national debt if we don't stop running deficits every year. Interest will be the largest payment. Yeah, you talk about we want a strong military. Okay, try affording a strong military when you have to spend a trillion dollars a year on Mm -hmm. interest payments, not on paying back the debt, Mm -hmm. on interest payments Mm -hmm. that will never decrease unless we start running surpluses. So fiscal responsibility for our future is far more important and obviously running a $6 trillion stimulus package and shutting down the economy, which mm-hmm. is going to destroy tax revenue yeah. as well, mm-hmm. so creating even more debt than we would have had, yeah. is just it's just terrible economic mm-hmm. policy. Mm-hmm. You you need a balanced budget. At the very least, you know I don't know an, of an economist worth his salt. Even the ones that I disagree with say that we need to run surpluses in the good times and run deficits in the bad times. And I even think that's too liberal. But mm-hmm. you know. I think there's an argument to be made for, you know, Keynesian economics that we should run deficits when we need to stimulate the economy. I don't think that's right, but I think there's a point made there. Mm-hmm. I understand it. And but 
that's not what we're even doing now. We're running deficits every year yeah. since, since Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. We've run deficits every single year. Even with Republicans running on small government, running on sh- balancing the budget, we've still had yeah, That's deficits. the biggest joke I've ever heard. You, I, the, Republicans, even Reagan was a big government guy. Yeah. Reagan did nothing to shrink the size of the federal government. Right, and, yeah. and Reagan, I would say, is probably one of the best presidents we've had in modern history. Yeah. But... Even Reagan didn't shrink the government mm-hmm. as much as most people would like. You know, Gov- Reagan passed more gun control. You know, Reagan was the one who passed the assault weapons yeah, ban. Yeah, he did. I mean, he did. So, as much as I love Reagan, and the background of my phone actually is a picture of Ronald <laughs> Reagan. So, I'm very pro Reagan. Mm-hmm. You know, Reagan Bush 2020. But, uh, <laughs> but Reagan. Reagan didn't do didn't do what most Americans would think yeah. he did. And mm-hmm. I'm, again, don't get me wrong, best president we've had in quite a long time. I would say the best president before Reagan was probably way back there, probably Lincoln. Yeah. I don't know of a, you know, the, the wartime presidents are usually regarded as yeah. great. They yeah. led us through the, be- the toughest crises mm-hmm. in world history. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the economy and running debt that's going to destroy our country, yeah. That's it's been pretty terrible it's since been, Alexander Hamilton was yeah. Treasury Secretary, which was <laughs> the first one. The first one, yeah. Um, you know, we're at about twenty-one minutes. Yeah. I I feel like we should go a little more than twenty-one minutes. What what else do you think we could? I mean, honestly, I think we've covered most of it. I think and, I think and we and have sh- too. You know, a short episode can be nice for the listener. It could yeah. be nice. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll take this little bit of extra time to okay. ask that if. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and you think that the podcast has been going well or you think that we've provided reasonable points that are worth listening to, mm-hmm. even if you don't agree with us. And, you know, I've got to say, I listen to podcasts by, for instance, the New York Times, mm-hmm. who is a leftist nut job news organization. I don't want to call anybody a nut job. No, no. If, if anybody deserves to be called it, it's the New York Times. <laughs> uh, so if you think that we've provided good content that's worth listening to, you know, tell somebody that. Yeah. Tell somebody, you know, we love to hear it. We've gotten some people on the other side of the aisle complimenting our podcast, saying that it was, you know, it was well thought, well, well thought out, and it, it was, provided good insight, and it makes us very happy yeah. to hear that. So please, spread it around. Yeah, spread the word. Uh, yeah. If that's all we've got to discuss, yeah. I think uh, it's safe to say that everybody who uh, likes the podcast can share it, and everybody who doesn't can tuck off. 